the singing on the streets thing, doing concerts with people just happened by accident. Again, it came to me. It didn't, it, it happened organically. Um, someone got in touch with me and said, my mum heard you singing two years ago. I was like, two years ago, flipping heck, and I'm still in the head. Um, and this was in Oldham, where I'm from actually, originally. And I remember, uh, I remember the woman, I remember the interaction with her, uh, and it was a freezing day and it was really cold and she came up and said, can you sing time to say goodbye? So I said to her daughter, because again, I'm about helping people and I knew how difficult a lot of people were finding it, you know what I mean? And I thought, well, I'm not scared, so I can go and help people now. Um, and I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll deliver it if you want, and I'll sing her some songs on a doorstep, if that's going to help. Because she just said my mum found it really hard. Uh, she was meant to have all her family over from Australia for her birthday or whatever, and it's not happening, and she can't see any of us, and she's really struggling. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll go and help. I'll sing her a few songs on a doorstep. So I went along, and I was like, you know, cacking it a bit, thinking, oh, my God, how's this going to go down? Am I just going to look stupid? Um, put the CD at the door and stepped back, you know, knocked on the door and, and then started singing. And the mum came out and was like, what's this? And it's actually in the video, I think, that you saw that video I've had put together. And all the neighbours came out. Um, so I just thought, right, if this is going to help people, I'm going to... I just put a, a post on the Facebook page where I am, living in Todmorden, and just said, if I can help anyone, I know people are struggling. You know, uh, if you want some music, I'll come to you. Just let get in touch. And that has literally led to about 70 concerts now. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Marvin's World podcast, a podcast where we speak to tantalizing and fantastic and unique people. People who help people like you and me make what we love a full-time job. If you like the podcast, give us a review on iTunes and share it with your friends. If you don't, well, just share it with your worst enemy. Uh, today, we have an absolutely fantastic and amazing guest called Nicola Mills. She is an opera singer who's been singing for over a decade. She started from the age of six and she has been bringing a lot of cheer to people during this dreadful and horrendous pandemic. She's also performed at the Royal Academy of Arts in Scot Royal Scot what's it called? The Royal Scottish Academy of Arts. And she's also performed in New York. And without further ado, we have Nicola. How are we doing, Nicola? I'm all right. I'm just going to correct you a little bit. It's the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. That's where I studied. Ah. And it's actually called now the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. So, yeah, that's where ah. I, I studied for six years. Nice. And, yeah, so, like, tell us about it, your journey and, like, going through all these different academies and colleges. It's been, um, I've definitely got a story because um, I'm not, I'm not from um, like, a, you know, what you see as a classical music background. I'm from very, I'm from a very working class northern background. You know, we lived in a terraced house and um, I was a bit, it was a bit like Billy Elliot, you know, and I've got five brothers. So my house was just a madhouse. And there was no, you know, no culture, no classical music on in the house at all. Um, and just when I was seven, somebody came into my classroom and said, who wants to play a brass instrument? So I, I really can't miss out on anything. You know, you just put your hand up, don't you? I think we all did. I, I mean, I can't remember. And they gave me trombone to play and I played a note. I, I, I made a note and that was it then. They said, right, you're going to learn the trombone. Um, so I did, and they taught me how to read music, and I did like singing in the choir at school, lots of hymns and stuff, because it was a Catholic school. Um, and I, but I wasn't like this kid who needed to be on stage. I wasn't like that at all. I was actually really the opposite. I was quite shy. Uh, but I went to Oldham Music Centre, then like three or four nights a week. And when I was thirteen, I joined the choir. And when I was Oldham Girls Choir, and when I was 15, the lady said, can I give you some singing lessons for free? And she, the first thing she put in front of me was a, a Carabino's aria from The Marriage of Figaro by Mozart. And that was it. 
that was my life was going in that direction. And um, what I find great about my story is that it came to me. You know, I didn't have to find it. It, it was meant to be, you know what I mean? It just happened and just yeah. went with the flow. Yeah. And then I just went with it. I loved these lessons. And basically, I just sang whatever she gave me to sing. And then she said, said to me, um, why didn't you go to music college? And I was like, what is a music college? You know what I mean? I was, I got five brothers, like I said. And, you know, I was the first one to do exams at school. First one to pass a GCSE and, and to do A-levels and to, to even think about a degree. You know, my dad was a plumber. And my brothers have all gone into like technical things. You know, one brother's a joiner, one's a mechanic. Um, so to be like someone who was a bit more academic, it just, just didn't happen, you know? Um, so I said, well, I, I don't know what music college is. And, and then this lady left. So, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So I washed up in restaurants every weekend to pay for my own lessons. Um, and then I paid to apply for two music colleges because that's all I could afford myself. Um, and I got into the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. So, you know, I've literally fought to do what, what I do, um, you know, and I've been working since I was 13 to earn money to pay for it. Whoa, that's amazing. And from 13? Yeah, my mum and dad had a little off licence and uh, I used to work in there. Oh, that's very sort of nitty gritty. That's, that's a funny thing you mentioned that because I spoke to Andre Sinner who runs Night Fight and Armour Combat League, which is effectively like UFC and MMA, but it's with medieval gear. Right, cool. <laughs> Brilliant. And he uh, was able to make his job his full-time thing because he had a lot of, he had a job and he's going to university and he's doing all these things together. And he says that a lot of people say they want to get involved, but they're not working in jobs or doing a lot of things around it to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, I've just been single-minded really um i've wanted it so much that i'm not willing to uh sacrifice no i've been willing to sacrifice many 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 things to make sure that i i do it you know and i've worked whatever i've had to do i've done i've worked on checkouts i've worked in factories when i was a student um just to keep things going i've you know i've just done loads of things i think if you want something you'll make it work there's never been, you know, when someone says, what else would you do if you didn't sing? And it's like, well, there is nothing else I'll do. Simple as that. So even singing on the streets now, this lockdown, I've made it work. You know what I mean? There's, I'm thinking out of the box all the time so I can carry on singing because my heart and my soul need it. It's like my medicine. It's my drug. And you didn't give yourself an out, like you just said, this, there's no, what's it called, second guessing. It's like, this is it, nothing else. Absolutely. There's, there's an, I'll, I'll go out singing. That's the thing. I'll, it's just who I am. And how did it, so when you went to these, went to the school, Royal Scottish Academy of... Music and drama. Music and drama. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how how was how was it like you was the atmosphere were there a lot of them from completely different backgrounds to you yeah i mean but that's what's great about the music world is you you just meet people from all over you know when i worked at glyndebourne festival opera uh which is a really really good opera house in lewis and east sussex you know i went to um a rough comprehensive in oldham you know it was the roughest school in the area um, and then I was singing alongside someone whose parents had sent them to a £25,000 a year, you know, uh, public school. But no one cares. You just, you know, you just get on with it. You're all there to, to make music and, and what have you. Um, so it was good. I enjoyed music college. When, we, when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, the kids from Fame. I've st in fact, I've st I still love that soundtrack. I sing along sometimes. Um, and I used to think, I want to go to a school like that. And I remember loads of people saying to me, oh, go to university, it's a better course, it's more academic, you, you know, you've got more options. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to sit doing book stuff all day. I want to perform like I knew I want to do this. And I just, I'm a really determined and stubborn. And if, if I put my mind to something, it's like, and my heart tells me that's the right thing to do, then I will do it. 
is, is that a trait that everyone in your family has or is like what do you think enables you to have that edge you feel you know what i think it is a trait because um my nephew's got it as well we're all uh, a mill's trait is that um you hate being told what to do because we're actually like leaders we we, we just want to do what we our own thing we don't want to work for other people we want to work for ourselves and there's just something about us that we're stubborn uh we won't give in and you know we argue over it as well because none, none of us will give in you know we won't say all right you're right it's like we always want to be right but i mean music college it was great it was what i wanted you know I, and um it was you know going in that that room to have your singing lessons because you get two a week that is like the best time that's what you live for uh, you know you never miss your lessons simple as that because that's where you know you really want to improve and learn um and it was it was, it was a good friendly atmosphere actually obviously these places are very competitive as well um and there's a lot of pressure on you too and you feel like your whole life is revolved around that as in um you know if you sing badly one time it's like the world has ended you know what i mean and you look back now and you think it's not you know you feel like saying to people look so what if if you didn't if you got up there and you didn't do well and so what who cares you know whereas there's just a lot of pressure on you when you're at music college hmm. and is is there a lot of like you, you see in boxing or mma like guys try and like psych each other out or use all sorts of psychology all sorts of tricks is, did that go on in the college where they would say things under their breath or pull your hair or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> sorry no it wasn't it wasn't quite like that like we weren't like right i'm gonna sing better than you you bitch <laughs> it wasn't like that but the, you know there's a competition obviously you know you want to be um you want to stand out but if i'm honest i never did stand out i um you know i was kind of okay i wasn't i wasn't one of the brilliant ones but it's funny because it's like you know at music college the, the ones that seem to be the brilliant ones who are going to be something they end up they end up doing nothing and it's the ones that don't shine at music college that end up like going the distance almost you know and i know out of my year i'm the only one that's still singing whoa yeah as a, as a actually in the profession doing it um but it's because I, i've just always wanted to do it ah and maybe part of that reason why you're doing it as well because they get the plaudits and oh i'm a fantastic or something but they don't have to struggle like you you weren't as naturally made you didn't get the plaudits but you were so focused on getting that goal and like when when that happened in the school and you didn't weren't like at the top of class whatever that was like another obstacle for you to say as you say you're stubborn you're not going to tell me what to do i am going to make it and you, that gave you more drive whilst with them they didn't have that well i don't know i mean i've just always been a fighter you see uh i'm a survivor and i haven't got anybody to fall back on you know like say if things don't work out financially and stuff so I've always had to find a job. I've always had to work. And um, I love singing so much. Like ever since I was a little girl, you know, I used to watch The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. And, you know, I've actually wrote a, a tribute to Julie Andrews, which was in theatres this year, but obviously like two thirds of it got cancelled, um, called A Spoonful of Julie. And I've, you know, there's something in me that just uh, needs to do it. I love it. You know, I never wanted children. I never wanted the, well, I did. I lived kind of the normal lifestyle for a bit. I got married. And then after a year, I just thought it's not for me. I want to sing, you know? And sometimes I think we have to do something we don't want to do to realize what we do want to do. And I kind of pushed that down inside me. And eventually I was like, I've got to sing, simple as that. You know, and that's when I started to work in opera houses after that. How, how did you go about sort of getting work once, once college had finished? Do you know what? It's scary. It's scary. Do, do you mind if I, if I swear or not? Say whatever you want. It's scary as fuck, if I'm honest. Because, um, like, I remember, because I'd had, I'd had my boyfriend all the way through music college and he lived in the north of England. So we kind of did long distance. 
And I remember him picking me up from uh, Scotland and that was it, I was going home. And I just thought, oh my God, I'm, what if I never sing again? There's just an absolute fear. You know, I would say the one thing they don't do is prepare you for the big, bad, you know, the big world out there on how to actually get work. And I think because I wasn't in London, maybe, I don't know, maybe there would have been a bit few more opportunities. I just came back and thought, well, what the hell do I do now? And I found teaching jobs because I needed to earn money. You know, I needed to keep a roof over my head. There was nobody bailing me out. And that's how it's always been. Um, so I got teaching jobs and then did singing a little bit on the side. Okay. And did it involve teaching of singing? Yeah. So I basically taught for like music services, uh, Rochdale, um, Blackburn and Darwin. And do you know what? If I'm honest, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Uh, I did it and I was good as it, and the kids liked me and all that kind of stuff. But my heart wasn't in it. And I did it. I taught at theatre school as well. And I liked that because I liked the boss. So I used to go and I liked, like, I liked the vibe of it. And I kind of like said to myself, okay, this is my life. I've, I've got this partner and I want to set, settle down with him. And, you know, I'll do my bits and bats of singing. I did loads of concert work, like, you know, oratorios and things with orchestras and stuff like that. That's not opera. Locally, I did loads of stuff like that. I was kind of like 70% teaching, 30% singing. And I did six years of it and I could just feel myself. I'm thinking like I'm done here. I've had enough. Um, and I, I was driving a lot as well. And I just thought, oh God, is this it? You know, stuck in a car, like um, early in the morning to get to a school to teach. And it's like a 30 minute journey and it takes nearly two hours. And I just, I just kind of was on the way home one day and just thought, fuck this, I've had enough. Um, and I did a week's teaching for, in old folks homes. And that was it, it was just like light bulb, right, that's it, boxing, simple as that. So I gave all my teaching up. Um, my relationship broke down, but it was, it was over, you know what I mean? I was trapped in the wrong life. I did not want that life. I did not want the mortgage, the house, the kids, the this, that, the other. It's not me. I never wanted it. And I'd, that's, that's the point where I started to live for me. And uh, I think six months later, I was singing at Glyndebourne Festival Opera, which is one of the top opera houses in the world. And they gave me, like, I sang there for two years. And then I moved to Holland. So that's when I would say my real journey began. Oh. And how, how did you get that job? And, like, yeah, tell us about this real journey. Yeah, well, I don't know. I always think, like, things are meant to be. If you, if you uh, stay with your gut and follow that, like I followed that calling, I was like, I've got to sing, simple as that. So I think once you do that, the universe comes into play and sets up things for you to sing. So somehow, somehow by absolute chance, an agent heard me singing somewhere. I can't even remember where it was now. I can't, oh yeah, it was in London somewhere. That was it. Because I was singing for the BBC Singers in Manchester. Um, and we just happened to go to London and he heard me and he had a chat afterwards and he's like, will you come and sing for me in London? And I think what he liked about me was my total enthusiasm about singing. Because that, that's the one thing that I've got back from singing on the streets because you kind of lose it a bit along the way. You get bogged down with all the, all the perfectionism of it all and you think, well, uh, I don't actually enjoy this anymore. So anyway, because I know I'm digressing here. And he, he took me on and he set up all these auditions for opera companies around the UK. And I got offered work in all of them. I think I did eight altogether and they all offered me work. And I took the best offer, which was Glyndebourne. Um, Cause that was like top, top notch, working with the best orchestras, directors, you know, the attention to detail on the costumes. It was just a total learning experience. And, you know, um, brilliant to be part of a group and in such beautiful settings as well. Like you're so proud, you think I'm part of this company and I'm working for like one of the best, you know, and, and it's just, it was just brilliant. I had absolutely no regrets about walking away from the life that I'd created with my partner. Yeah, it's what made you sort of not trust your gut before? Like it just, it just happened. Just, just something clicked. Fear, fear. It was all fear. 
I'd left um, music college and deep down, I wasn't brave enough to go for it. And I know that I was, I was too scared. I was too scared to show myself. So I spent, and I don't regret it. I'm not someone who sits with regrets. So I settled with this partner and I thought, well, this is okay. You know, this is, this is my life now. Um, and I just realized I just grew on the inside. I think that we go through a, a, a growth in the, like our late twenties on the inside. And I just grew bigger within myself and valued myself more and just thought, um, this is not right for me. This is not, I'm not in a loving relationship and I want to sing. And, and then it's like, there's no going back. You, you go for it then. And what, what you said there, do you believe in the law of attraction? Yeah, I've read, I mean, I've read loads of things like that. I'm quite a spiritual person. Um, not really religious, but, um, you know, I've, I've been on an, in a journey for years. That's kind of the journey that I live on. I'm not bothered about the outer things. You know, I'm, I'm not a materialistic person. I'm not kind of chasing money. Um, I'm chasing what my inner self wants. Yeah, so I've read like Esther Hicks and, you know, Watch the Secret and stuff like that. And I do believe that, um, you know, you, you, for myself, I need to create the energy to bring the things. Why have I suddenly got stuff in my throat? Um, like you, you need a certain vibration to bring the right things in kind of thing. Does that make any sense? Like you can't bring something from a high vibration in when you're on a lower vibration. You have to be that higher vibration to welcome that in. So I'm, yeah, I, I believe things are meant to be and you've got to put yourself out there for the universe to bring it back. So, yeah, I know what you mean by that. If you're like, I don't know, you're Dave, the Binman or something, like you're punching walls or something, I'm fucking coming back from work. Right, I want to be the world's best footballer. It's not yeah. going to happen. It's not going to happen, yeah. It's like, I, you know, I want to live in New York. Um, so what did I do? I went to live in New York. Because there's no point in me going all the time, yeah, I want to live in New York. Uh, yeah, I want to live in New York. So go to New York then. You're not going to make anything happen unless you go to the place or do something to make it happen, you know? So, yeah, I'm a believer in all that. It's, it's quite funny when you mention, because I get a lot of, in the podcast, I get a lot of different views on it. Like some people say, like, you've got to know your limitations and, like, when you're saying this and that, and then other people saying, oh, you can do anything. And there's others saying that, law of attraction is good but a big part of it also you need to be honest about sort of talent and your levels like tennis players some people can only get to a certain level it's just the way it is yeah you've got to be realistic i think that's just being in tune with yourself and what i realized was because you know for the next 10 years then i worked in opera houses um all around europe but it was only when i started singing on the streets that I really found what I was actually really good at. And that was um, being myself and being down to earth and connecting with people on like a grassroots level, which is what I do now. Um, in the opera world, I wasn't anybody who shone. You know, I got work, but I wasn't, you know, the golden girl or chosen, same as at music college. Um, so I'm never gonna sit, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm. I'm not gonna sing at the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. I'm not, not good enough. You know, I know that, but I know where I fit and I know where I'm more use. I'm, I wouldn't be of use at the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. Um, I'm more use connecting with someone's grandma or, you know what I mean? On, I'm not saying it's just for grandmas, it isn't. Um, but I can connect with people on a, you know, cause I'm from a working class background. So I can connect with the people of Todmorden where I live. It, which is a pretty down-to-earth place and I can connect with them and introduce them to this music and what have you and that's what I'm good at so it's it's being realistic with yourself and knowing where your true gifts are and how to channel that and be of service to others and, and if you're not yeah it's all about giving value if you want people to pay you or if you want to make money and things you've got to give something back it's not about you taking you got to give something of proper use. 
Absolutely. I think there's three things to live by. And, I, and I've only re really, truly realised that this year from everything that's happened. Because I feel like I'm more and more and more coming from my heart for people. Is uh, It's service to self, service to others, and service to the collective. And that is, to me, what I need to do. So it's got to serve me, but it's got to serve others, and it's got to really help the collective. And that's it, really. Quite simple. So... I love what you say here and I've got sort of there's two things that really intrigue me here so like <clears throat> tell us a bit about sort of like your your journeys into different nations and like why New York stands out apart from the lovely artichoke pizza and um like what is it that made you go and basically perform concerts to people in the street whilst as you say many people aren't as proactive as you and they're just not doing as much. Oh, my word, right. Honestly, have you got like 30 minutes now? Because this is yes. a story, right? So, and some of it, like, I don't know who will listen to this podcast, but some people might be going, what the hell is she talking about? But this is the story, right? So I was um, living in Antwerp. I had a full-time job at the Flemish Opera, singing in the chorus. It's like most people would kill for that job. You know, finally... As a singer, I'm on 40 grand a year. It's cushy number. Um, I can be sick. That was the other thing. I thought, oh my God, I can actually be sick now and I'll get paid. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I felt like I'd lost my love of singing. And in fact, if you really want the whole story, this is like, yeah, some people think I'm crazy, but this is what happened. So, so basically, right, because I've been, a, been into spiritual stuff my whole life. And I met a woman. I used to listen to Hay House Radio linked to Louise Hay. Uh, I met a woman in Belgium who uh, channeled, and I'd never done channeling before, so I, I didn't have a clue what it was. Um, but she channeled a Native American Indian, right? So basically she said to me, right, if you come to a session, you can chat to him. He'll come into my energy and you can have a chat to him. So I was like, like I said, I've never done anything like that before. So I didn't really know what to expect. So I went along. Um, there were three of us and I was like thinking, oh my God, is this like Native American Indian just going to suddenly pop out and I'm going to like shit my pants kind of thing. Um, and basically his energy came into her. So her voice changed and he was chatting to us. Right. Um, so I was able to ask him questions and he basically, that first session, kicked my ass a bit and said like, why are you not singing as a soloist? And I said, but I tried. And I burnt myself out over it. Like, I finally got a job. You know what I mean? I'm all right with that. And he said, well, what is your heart's desire? And I just said, I want to sing as a soloist, right? And I knew deep down. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, the, the session, I'm, I'm bringing it short here. But um, he kind of encouraged me. And I was, believe me, I was totally full of fear. I was absolutely panicking. I'm not the person I, I am now. Uh, you know, that was, I think that was like about 2014, something like that. But he said, right, go and, go and start singing the songs you want to sing, things that you love. So I did. And he said, like, book a theatre. And I thought, oh, my God, I've never done anything like that. And I was absolutely terrified. But I did, because I thought, right, I'm going to listen to this guidance and I'm going to book a theatre. And I booked one for, like, nine months in advance. And I had no idea how I was going to fill it or anything like that what I was going to do. In my head, I was so naive. I just thought, oh, magically, I'll turn up and everyone will be there. You know, no work required somehow. But it's not like that, is it? You'll know yourself from doing your, your stand-up things. But what happened was I spoke to him again a few months later. And uh, he said to me, you've got to think out of the box because time's running out. You've got to do something. So I thought, oh, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? Um, I was so scared, you know. And then I just came up with the idea to sing on the streets. And, I, and uh, that's how it happened, because I was just so anxious all the time. I went to Brussels, that was it. I went to Brussels, I saw someone busking, and I said to my friend who I was with, I said, I'm going to do that, that's it. And then I did. That, the, the idea just stuck. And I was, my body was in pain. I was just so full of anxiety, and I was sick of it. And I thought, if I go and sing on the streets, maybe that'll help. Like I don't tell pe people a lot of this. I don't tell them, oh, I was in pain, I was anxious, I was this, that, the other. But why not? We need to be real. 
Um, so that's the reason I went to sing on the streets because I was sick of being terrified to sing for people because I thought I wasn't good enough because that's what the profession had done to me. It does it. It does it like bit by bit over time and you end up, you end up where you just feel like you're, you're nothing, you're worthless, you know? So I went to sing on the streets and I was absolutely terrified. I remember shaking so much that first time. I, want, I cycled along because everyone cycles in Belgium and I just wanted to turn back, you know, what am I doing? This is horrendous. And I would say for the first month, that's how I felt every single time. I was absolutely terrified. Um, but just so many opportunities came. I've never known anything like that, that first six months. It was like the law of attraction. All I needed to do was stand there and something would happen. It, would, it just came to me. It was like, you're on the path. You're on the right path. You're on the right path. People just asking me to sing for them. Opportunities come in. The newspaper um, interviewed me. Uh, the, the TV people were like, oh, can we do a, a film on you? A little short film for like a quirky program over there. Um, and I just knew you're onto something, eh, Nick? You're absolutely onto something. And that's how it started. And I called myself the Danceworth Diva. I sang at loads of parties and events. And I started to, what happened, I'd say, oh, and I filled the theatre, that was the thing. That was how I got people in to my theatre show. And I did all my favourite songs and a bit of a life story, which is the same, similar to what I actually did in New York when I booked a theatre there. Um, yeah, and that, that's what I did. Tell us a bit about sort of what, what makes New York the place for you? Like why, why, why is New York your, as you say, artichoke pizza, which is the best pizza in the world? <laughs> artichoke pizza is that? Or did yeah. You say? yeah, the artichoke pizza in artichoke. I think it's the best pizza of all time. Oh, do you know what? I've not had that. I tell you what though, I do like a right good slice. Um, it's good to go for a slice. It's like three dollars or something, you know, like cheap food, but but it it you know proper comfort food. So yeah, New York happened right again. Listening to my gut and being very in tune with myself. Don't get me wrong, I was I've been so full of fear, and uh, that's why I think this year I've just dealt with dealt with it because I'm I don't have fear like I used to have. I'm not I'm not bothered anymore. I think oh is this it? You know what I mean? I've got nothing to be scared about. But um. I, I was getting in my gut instinct, right, that, uh, oh yeah, artichoke pizza. I was getting in my gut instinct that I thought, I'm going to leave Belgium, right? I've been there for like three years, but suddenly I just kept getting the feeling more and more that it's time to leave. Um, so I went to see my mate again, who chats to this Native American Indian, <laughs> and I thought, right, I thought, all I need to know is if I'm going to leave Belgium or not. And the first thing he said to me was, you're going to leave Belgium. So I said, okay, well, um, but I said, I've got London in my head and I've got New York in my head. Why? Because I've never been to New York. Why was New York in my head? And he said, because we're putting it in your head. He said, because you need to go. So he was saying, oh, I'll just go to New York. And I'm like, uh, there's no way I'm going to go to New York. It's like, I was terrified. There's no way I'm just going to go. Um, but it kind of like the seed was there in my head and he said well, you've got to go back to London and I said oh no way man I'd already lived in London once and London don't work for me I don't like it it's too um like I like contact with people and there's not enough contact with people and it being a northerner just doesn't work for me so I said I'm not going back to London no way Right, but as time went on, my gut instinct just kept saying, you've got to go back to London, you've got to go back to London. Um, and I thought, right, I'll go just outside. No, you've got to go back to London. And also the New York thing. And you know what, that came out by chance. I was in a book club in Antwerp and there was a woman there from New York. And I said to her, you know what, I'd love to sing in New York. And she, I didn't realise she would then go off and speak to every person she knew. And, so, and the next time I saw her, she was like, you know what, I've got you an opportunity in New York uh, for a friend of mine. So I was like, oh my God. And I remember I can picture myself now washing up after that, you know, I had dinner with her and all this, thinking, oh my God, this might actually happen. 
this was like three or four months later, you know, it was, it'd been put on the back burner. So I chatted to the woman in, in New York and she was like, yeah, we'd love you to come out. She said, we can't pay you or anything like that. And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just fund it myself. But my mate said, oh no, we'll, we'll raise money. Let's raise money. I'm like, oh my God. You know, we just think like, I don't even know how to raise money. I've never done it in my life. I'm not used to asking others for money. So you're now taking me proper out of my comfort zone here. Um, but what I did, I came up with the idea, again, listening to my gut instinct, because I'd built up relationships now. I'd spent like two years building up relationships with people in Belgium. That's what I do when I sing for people. It's not about me just singing. It's about me connecting and actually building bonds with people, like building communities. Um, so I contacted all the people I sang for and said, can anybody help me? Um, I'm happy to sing for free. If you can provide some people in a venue um, and I can, you know, take some donations so I can go and sing. It was singing for children. It was doing like charity work in, uh, Belgium, in New York. So I did that and people helped me. They really helped me. And I got, I got all the money I needed in like three weeks once I started singing. I got like 4,000 euros altogether. And that was it. That was my trip. My trip to um, America sorted. So I, I plucked up the courage because I knew, again, my gut instinct was telling me. I plucked up the courage to give up my job at the Opera House in Belgium. Everyone said, you must be mad because you've got a secure job. But it's like, I'm bored. I'm bored. What, what more is there? What do I do? Buy a house and settle down. You know what I mean? And, and this is it. Sorry, my computer's doing something. Um, and this is it for like the next 30 years. I'm, I'm already dead inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and I knew there was so much more out there for me. I was sick of like working in the opera world um like i'm being dead honest now wouldn't wouldn't have said this even a year ago i was sick of being a sheep on stage do this do that no brain required wear this costume crawl on the floor like a dog you know and i just thought i it's like a factory job you know what i mean um it's not going anywhere and i just thought no nah, i'm actually getting more pleasure out of singing on the street for people and actually creating proper bonds. So I gave up my job. I was told I could take a year off and go back and everyone thought, you'll be back. And I thought, I won't, because I knew. My gut said, you've got to go home. You've got to go home. I've been telling me for a year, you've got to go home. So I went back to London, even though I had no idea why I needed to be in London. Like I said, I hate London. I mean, I like it as a place, but after a while it just gets me down, you know? Um, but I went, I went and, and I went over to New York for, for three weeks, uh, just after I'd moved back. And, and then that was it. When I went to New York, it was like, I sat in Union Square. I don't know if you've ever been there at the end of my trip. And it was funny because so many different opportunities had come to me, uh, for my time in New York before I even went, you won't believe it. Like I'm singing for someone in Belgium and she says, oh, my daughter lives in New York. And she'd love you to sing for her at such and such a place. And I thought, no way, what are the chances? You know what I mean? It all just kind of happened. Um, so I sat in Union Square and I was just like, like a light bulb moment. This is where I'm going to live. This, this is where I'm going to live. And I've, that feeling has not gone. It's not gone. So I did go back to London and I was singing on the streets again, like, you know, Oxford Street, like say you live, you're in Wimbledon, down in Wimbledon, finding me little spots that work for me, singing in the stations, the train stations, through busking London. In fact, that was a real, really good help. Uh, you know, creating work, trying to bond with people, put myself out there. But I'm thinking, why the hell am I here? You know what I mean? And then one day this, um, this guy comes up to me, I was singing on Oxford Street, and I wasn't even going to go there that day. I was going to go somewhere else. And at the last minute, I went, bugger it. I can't be bothered going down there. I'm just going to go to Oxford Street. And this guy come up to me and he said, I've been watching you sing. Um, and you've got quite a lot of problems, technically. And like, you know, as I've said earlier, I'm dead stubborn. I hate to be told. 
And somehow I just, I just listened and went, whoa, I've got to listen to this person. And he was spot on. And I kind of humbled myself and went, went, yeah, you're right. And I don't know what to do. And he said, well, I'm a singing teacher. Maybe I can help you. Come for a lesson for free. He said, you've got nothing to lose. And he was 80 years old, this guy. Oh. So I went uh, like the, the following week and um, I said to him, okay, it was one of the best lessons I'd ever had in my life. So I said to him, what, what do we do now? How much do you charge and all this? And he said, well, if you want to come, he said, uh, you know, you don't need to give me anything. And that turned into like two years of, of full on mentoring. And I ended up having three lessons a week. And eventually when I got myself, you know, a bit more financially okay from, you know, moving to London and starting again and what have you, I paid him money and, you know, we, but, but what was lovely about it was it wasn't based around money. It was based around the fact that he had this knowledge, the old fashioned like opera knowledge, you know, technique. And I, I was hungry to learn. And that was how uh, out the bond that we had together. It wasn't like, right, I'm giving you this lesson because I want 60 quid. It was more like, I want to pass this knowledge on. And I was like, I want to learn. And, and then I realized that's why I needed to be in London. So I was glad that I followed my gut because that is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. That guy coming to me that day and saying, can I, you know, can I help you? Because um, I've, I've learned so much from him. And it, and it was just brilliant, you know. God, that's remarkable that story i mean what made that man be so generous because like lot, so many people now are not like that exactly exactly people are about money 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 oh. and, and i'm not and he wasn't and we just we just exchanged our gifts you know what i mean that was it yeah and it's like a lot of us are now all about this all the time we don't often look at the other side and we don't think about yeah, we don't think about the bigger things. Exactly, like being in service to others. So he was in service to me, you know what I mean? He was really helping me out and he's helped me to become a better singer, which in turn has now helped me to help others. Um, okay. And then with New York, what I did, you see, after two years in London, I'd been back an odd time. I think, yeah, I've been back a couple more times and I still had the same feeling like I've got to live here, I've got to live here. So I um, got rid of all my stuff. This was January, at the end of January, 2018. The whole of February, I was going working in Monaco at the Opera House. A friend of a friend from Belgium uh, had got me the job. So I thought, right, okay, that's it now. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get rid of all my stuff um, and I'm gonna go and live in Monaco for a month. Then I'm gonna like just faff around for, for like six weeks or whatever. And I'd booked a flight over to New York for three months. Um, so I was gonna go and live there. So I started a blog, which I've been doing now for three years nearly, called A Soprano with Suitcase and a Rucksack. Because that's basically what I became. I just had my suitcase. I had a rucksack with all my singing stuff in on the back, you know, so I could busk. And I had myself. Um, and I've been writing about it ever since. So since then, I think I've stayed in about 70 different places. I've lived in New York for uh, nine months altogether. And I just kept coming back here, you know, uh, moving around a bit, getting temporary places to live, uh, busking wherever, uh, till I could go back to New York. And I absolutely loved it. I built a life there. I was singing in Central Park at the Bethesda Fountain. Somehow I managed to get in with the musicians there and then they gave me slots and it was just a really, really good spot. So that just really helped me out, you know. Um, met people from, I sang outside the subway at 72nd Street, met people, uh, got opportunities from that and just had, you know, even a filmmaker made a video for me for free. Um, just, uh, I've had so many like amazing comments, you know, from people, just everyday people saying, I felt really fed up that day. And then I, I saw you and you just really lifted me and stuff like that. So I kind of knew I was doing my calling in life. And there's something about like the vibe of New York that I just absolutely love. I feel like connected to it. So what I did on my last trip, 
that was quite a while ago now because I was meant to go back this year, but obviously it, it's not happened. They basically said to me at um, customs that I wasn't allowed back for a year because I didn't have the correct visa. So, you know, I, I was doing what I could to try and find a way into the country, basically. Um, so what I did the last trip was I had a Julie Andrews idea in my head as well. That kept knocking on my, you know, in my gut instinct. You've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. Like the Julie Andrews thing. Um, sorry, like the uh, going back to England thing, going to London thing. So I decided to write a tribute to her. So when I was in New York last time, uh, I had three months and I just researched her at the Lincoln Centre Performing Arts Library. Um, and found out everything I could about her, you know, the research stuff. And did, again, I was terrified because I, when, when I know I have to do something, like I know I have to do it, and, and sometimes I don't know how. And I can, I can be floored by that, thinking, well, I'm never going to work it out, what I'm going to do. And if I don't work it out, I'm not going to do my mission in life. Because I feel I have this really, really, really strong mission in life, and that is to sing for people. Um, and it, I worry, you know, I, not, not anymore, but I used to worry, it's not going to happen, I'm not going to do it and all this. Um, so I researched and then, and then eventually, you know, I realised over time, I knew what I wanted to do and the picture came to me in my head, this is how I want it to be. This is what's possible with the copyright, you know, because I'm limited as well. Uh, loads of rules for copyright. And again, a friend of a friend, because it's meant to be, knew someone who lived in the south of France now, in Nice, who was a musical director in the West End for years, worked with all the tops, Lloyd Webber, Cameron McIntosh, all that business, was kind of like semi-retired. And he said, I needed somebody to put the music together for me. And he said, I'll do it for you. So I had like someone who knew exactly what to do. Um, and obviously I paid him, but we worked together and we put a show together. And then the next step was, how do I get this into theatres? What do I do? Again, I didn't know what to do. I had no idea. So I had to learn that. Again, stress, worry, stress, worry. Worried about copyright. You know, frightened that I was doing something wrong and I was going to get into trouble and stuff like that. With Disney especially, because of Mary Poppins. But um, it was even things like I didn't know what to call it. And honestly, this is the God's honest truth. I'm sat in the toilet one day having a wee. And I just went, oh yeah, a spoonful of Julie. And that was it. I was like, the, it just popped into my head. There's my title. And it just came, a spoonful of Julie. Um, so then I got it into theatres and then I got it toured around the UK. And then I got it, I was having double page spreads in newspapers and was on the radio and stuff like that. And then Disney were calling me and saying, will you come and sing for us? Um, and then that's when lockdown hit. So I did four shows and, uh, and then, yeah, it all got stopped. So again, we've all had to adapt. How, how to, I mean, you've been on the BBC with this and like, tell us a bit about this, how you've adapted sort of project. Because <laughs> it is, it's very interesting and amazing. <laughs> I know, like sometimes, I'm sorry, I get sick of hearing my own voice, you know what I mean? I just think, oh God, here I am going on about it again. Um, but what I did for the first month for this, because I've been very stressed organising my show, because I'd got it in 16 venues around the UK and I was doing it all myself. And that, in fact, I just think I'd taken too much on, if I'm honest. I was here, there and everywhere and the singing had become, become like 5% of who I was. I was putting posters up, flyers up, trying to, you know, generate an audience and all this. So it was very stressful. So when this happened, my gut said to me, you've got nothing to be scared of. So I've not, not been scared about, about this COVID thing at all. Um, and I went, just went on loads of walks because I live around the beautiful countryside around where I'm living at the moment. Um, and kind of just grounded myself and gave myself some time off because I've been working since the age of 13 and I just thought oh my god it was like a relief thought, can I, oh my god I don't have to I don't have to do anything right now so I kind of took it as that I'd, I'd sat on hills and just grounded myself and took my shoes and socks off and sat in nature um, and just had a rest for a month and I wasn't really thinking oh what do I do next 
I just kind of realized that I needed a new approach that wasn't full of stress and that I needed to not be pushing and forcing for things. I'd say that's the main thing. I thought I can't do that anymore. It's, it's, it's not good for me. It's not, not working. Again, it's his thing. I've got to do this mission. I've got to get to New York. I've got whatever. Um, too much pressure on myself. So the singing on the streets thing, doing concerts with people just happened by accident. Again, it came to me. It didn't, it, it happened organically. Um, someone got in touch with me and said, my mum heard you singing two years ago. I was like, two years ago, flipping heck, and I'm still in the head. Um, and this was in Oldham, where I'm from actually, originally. And I remember, uh, I remember the woman, I remember the interaction with her, uh, and it was a freezing day and it was really cold. And she came up and said, can you sing time to say goodbye? So I said to her daughter, because again, I'm about helping people and I knew how difficult a lot of people were finding it. You know what I mean? And I thought, well, I'm not scared, so I can go and help people now. Um, and I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll deliver it if you want, and I'll sing her some songs on a doorstep, if that's going to help. Because she just said my mum found it really hard. Uh, she was meant to have all her family over from Australia for her birthday or whatever, and it's not happening, and she can't see any of us, and she's really struggling. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll go and help. I'll sing her a few songs on a doorstep. So I went along, and I was like, you know, cacking it a bit, thinking, oh my God, how's this going to go down? Am I just going to look stupid? Um, put the CD at the door and stepped back, you know, knocked on the door and, and then started singing. And the mum came out and was like, what's this? And it's actually in the video, I think, that you saw that video I've had put together. And all the neighbours came out. Um, so I just thought, right, if this is going to help people, I'm going to, I just put a, a post on the Facebook page where I am living in Todmorden and just said, if I can help anyone, I know people are struggling, you know, uh, if you want some music, I'll come to you, just let get in touch. And that has literally led to about 70 concerts now. And the BBC got in touch, they heard about it, I don't know how, they got in touch and said, can we film you as well? So they filmed me for Look North Regional News. Um, yeah, and then, so now what I'm doing is, um, Christmas concerts, that's what's coming up now for, they start next week for basically the whole of December for people. So I just say to people, right, you just get in touch, tell your neighbours, uh, come out, you know, just come outside your houses, I'll stand in the middle, I'll sing you some songs and that's it. And you'll all go away feeling a bit more uplifted and add, add some live music. So every street has become a theatre in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And, and you sort of ex expanding this thing now, like you're going to do it across the country or? Um, well, what I've done, I've said to myself this year, there's no pushing and forcing anymore. Let it come to me. So, and it has, it's just gone word of mouth and from singing. Now it's, you know, I am going a bit further, further out, not much further. I mean, people have said to me, oh, will you come to Bury? And I'm like, Bury, I'm flipping flown over to New York to do stuff. And they think like, oh, it's too far for you. I'm like, it isn't. It's not. It's down the flipping road. Um, yeah, I'm just, I don't, obviously, I don't know what will happen next year because, um, you know, Christmas, the Christmas thing is a new idea. But yeah, I'm just going to keep going. I've applied to the Arts Council for funding. To research the idea i've got a director who wants to work with me and try to get it out into more communities you know so actually set up with certain communities maybe ones that are you know a bit a bit underprivileged and what have you um there's a tour manager who wants to work with me but obviously all our hands are tied right now it's very difficult to plan anything all i know is that i don't really want to go online because this it's not the same it you know I, we need contact with, the, with each other. We need connection on a, on a basic human level. I don't care what's going on. We need that for our mental health. And there's been times where I've literally like shit my pants a bit, looking at people going, how the hell do I, you know, get them where they feel comfortable? Because I think that's it. How do I make these people feel comfortable with what I'm doing? Um, and I've kind of managed to do it. 
because if I show them that I'm a human being and I'm not a snob, because that's what's like linked to classical music in it. It's dead yeah. formal. You know, like when I listen to BBC Radio 3 and, and, and like even the proms, I think the proms is brilliant because it it's, makes it cheap for people, doesn't it? You can get in for like six quid. So your everyday Joe Blogs can go and listen to some classical music and enjoy it at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, but it's dead snobby. Like again, I wouldn't have said this a year ago. It's the way they introduce it all. Sometimes I just think, oh, will you just shut up? You know, I'd love to do a radio station, like a radio, you know, a weekly radio programme and just be really down to earth about it and say, right, I think this piece is top. Have a listen. See what you think. This is what I like. Ooh. Rather than it being like, well, there's such and such a thing of whatever. And Mozart was whatever, whatever. And it kind of alienates people. It's too, it's too posh and academic. Mm. You know, sometimes someone just wants to say, I don't know what that song's about, but I like it. Oh, and one thing that I want to get at is you, what, how, what, what do you have to be thankful for from, would you say now, in terms of what opera has given you? I've got so much to be thankful for. I'm so, you know what, I'm so glad that I, I have, that I can sing basically, that, you know, I believe everybody has a gift to share with the world. You know, I believe that it's like our light and we, if we give our light to others, it's like just the best way to live. And I feel lucky that I get to do that for people. But I'm just so grateful that that's a gift I've been given, you know, out of all the gifts. It's just such a lovely thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, I work hard for it and it's an up and, you know, up and down roller coaster ride. But essentially, like, how brilliant is that? How brilliant is it that I can sing? You know, loads of people would love to be able to sing and they can't. Um, and I forget that, you see, that's what you forget when you get so bogged down in the profession. You forget that you're doing something that most people can't do and would love to be able to do. And with your observation of people and your younger self, what is a quote or what is a, what is advice you'd like to give them? Gosh, when I look back at my younger self, I'm such a different person now. I was a lot, lot more fearful then. I was like shy, scared to show who I was, scared to speak out, scared to have a voice, you know, uh, scared to go for it. So held in, you know, um, I don't know really, because I do believe that that is part of the journey. You know, if we had it all worked out, um, we wouldn't go through that journey. So um, I would say, um, follow your heart. That, that's the true way of living, to, to connect with your heart and follow that. To sort of top it all off, I think you should inform everyone of all your work. Tell us all about like where we can reach you and find out about you. Uh, well, I, I, my website is IamNicolaMills.com and it's Nicola spelled N-I-C-O-L-A. So there's no H in there. But I post most of my stuff on my Facebook page, which is Nicola Mills Opera for the People. And then it's same with Instagram, Opera for the People. Um, you know, all my contact details are on there. I just say to people, if you want me to come and sing for you, all you have to do is get in touch. It's as simple as that. All, all it takes is one person to just tell, tell, tell the other people. Some people put, you know, a little piece of paper through people's doors uh, and I'll come and sing. No distance is too far. Um, and I'll just have a whip round at the end and that's it. People can donate what they like and that's all I work on now, a donation basis. And if people are not able to donate, then that's absolutely no problem. I will, I will go and sing for people. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And also she does Zoom calls. She does uh, YouTube. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my blog as well. Um, www.asoprano, a suitcase and a rucksack.com. So I write that 
pretty regularly. But yeah, just get in touch. Give me a call. My number is 07838-360195. I'm literally there to just help. You're the you're like the Batman film. Like you're not the hero, you're you're the hit what's it called? You're the hero that, that Gotham needs. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Mary Poppins, someone said. <laughs> I go in, I get it all right, and then I go back out again. Um so yeah, nobody it gives me a lot of pleasure, that's the thing. It gives me a lot of pleasure. Well I just wanna say yeah, uh, thank you for appearing on a podcast. It's been it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you for for telling us about your story. Thank you.